Today's scripture reading comes from Exodus chapter 18, verses 9 through 27. Hear now the word of God. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people came to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate the dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all time but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Hey, what's up, New Mercy? Good to see all of you. Good morning on this beautiful Sunday. I am here in the basement at the Ha residence uh, doing the quarantine life like all of you. Um, but we are so glad that we can all join together and worship. Here at New Mercy, we're going through a new sermon series uh, looking at God's faithfulness and how our stories change and transform because of God's faithfulness especially through the lens and experiences of minor characters in the Bible. When we say minor characters, we are referring to those characters that many of us, if not all of us, don't know much about. Uh, maybe we might have heard their names, but definitely not familiar with their story. 
uh, let alone how God used him in the history of uh, God's story. Uh, so today we are here in our third week looking into the life of Jethro. Jethro is a father-in-law of Moses and he's really not that well known and yet God uses him mightily to speak into Moses' life and really transforms Moses' daily life as we read here in Exodus 18 but also transforms the life of the entire nation of Israel. So let's look into Exodus 18 and to what Jethro has to teach us through the Holy Spirit. So there are three themes that we want to look at today. One is witnessing in the wilderness that God uh, speaks to us as we witness to others who don't know Christ in the wilderness. We will also look at our second theme, how God cures or cares for us in our worries in the wilderness. And third, how God instills wisdom in our wilderness. You know, Jethro is father-in-law of Moses, so I can't help but to start off by talking about my father-in-law, um, who is a very unique and interesting man. Those of you who know me pretty well, I often tell stories of my father-in-law because they're very intriguing and it's very difficult not to remember them because they're so unique and special to me. For example, on my second date with Hannah, uh, we went to the museum in Philadelphia, uh, did the steps and did the whole Rocky theme. And when I dropped her off, um, as I'm saying goodbye to her, I see her uh, house, the garage doors are open and there's smoke coming out of it. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, there's some emergency going on, what's going on? So I ask Hannah, hey, there's smoke coming out of your garage, but you don't look that worried. And she turns to me and says, you know, don't worry, John, it's my dad cooking dinner. And I'm like, why is there cooking going on in somebody's garage? And I find out that Hannah's father, my father-in-law, at the time who I didn't know was going to become my father-in-law, made himself his own kitchen in the garage. So he cooks himself dinner, lunch, uh, meals. Um, he used to own a coffee shop, so he used to make soup and other meals there. And in the midst of the smoke, there's a petite man, about 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five stature, coming towards me and greeting me. So I get out of the car and now you know, I'm bowing and I'm, you know, trying to speak Korean and, you know, not to be too nervous or anxious. And he casually just invite, invites me into his house and says, Hey, I'm actually making some kimchi bokkeumbap, which is, you know, Korean kimchi fried rice. Why don't you just stay for dinner? So I said yes. And next thing I know, we're eating inside. Uh, meal that he made for us and as Hannah is cleaning the dinner table it gets more interesting and weird because my father-in-law puts his arm on the table and he says all right it's time he looks me in the eyes and he wants to arm wrestle so I do <laughs> um, 
you know, I have many interesting stories like that of my father-in-law, and I just love that man to death, and he is an amazing um, man that I respect, and meeting someone like him, meeting a potential father-in-law, is could be nerve-wracking, it could be anxiety-provoking, and I think about Moses when he first met Jethro um, in Exodus 4, when he is lost and he is in probably the most depressed, anxious mood because he actually kills a man back at home in Egypt and now the Pharaoh and the Egyptian soldiers are actually looking for him. So he's actually uh, running away from them for his life. And he finally gets to this place called Midian. And in this land, there's a well in the outskirts of the city where all the shepherds come to feed their flock. And while he's resting there, he runs into seven young women who are there to also feed their sheep some water. And, you know, a few minutes into watching this scene, he sees the the guy shepherds basically harassing these seven women. So Moses steps in like a hero and quote-unquote rescues the seven ladies and puts them at the front line and they get all their flock water and they leave the well back to their home while Moses remains in the well trying to figure out what to do. Um, when the seven women return home, they go to their father, Jethro, and Jethro is surprised because the seven daughters of his are back from the well so quickly. Um, very unusual for him. So he asked them, hey, what happened? Why are you guys so back, uh, back so early? And the ladies tell him the story. And Jethro basically tells the, the, his daughters to go back and invite this man to come and eat and dine with them. And this is how Moses first meets Jethro his future father-in-law. He's desperate. He has no money. He has no food. His future looks uh, gloomy. And at this point, he's not even really sure about his cultural, ethnic, spiritual, just identity. He doesn't know who he is. And Jethro takes him under his wing and cares for him and eventually allows Moses to marry one of his daughters, Zipporah, and basically becomes part of the gang in Midian. Jethro, when he is introduced in the beginning of Exodus, we find out that he is a man of gods because he is a priest in Midian. Um, and what that meant was that there were um, worshipping many gods. Midianites were actually, um, you know, go back in genealogy, their ancestors are actually um, wife, one of the wife of Abraham. And so they are part of the promised generation. And yet, um, at this point in the story in Exodus, they began to explore other options and other gods. So they worship this god, that god, this god, that god, whoever they can worship and whoever they believe will give them blessings and peace and, and, and security, they ran tours. 
And so being a priest of Midianites, uh, Jethro would have been uh, not a follower of God at this point. And yet he is a generous man and he takes Moses in and loves him and allows him to become part of the family. And you have to know that background between uh, the relationship between Jethro and Moses to understand what's going on here in Exodus 18. See, what happened was Moses was living with Jethro and now his wife and all the sisters and their husbands and the families growing and growing. And one day God calls Moses, sends Aaron, and they end up back in Egypt to save and rescue the Israelites. And you know that story. But before he goes back to Egypt, he actually gets into a big fight with his wife, Zipporah. And he, Moses actually sends his wife and two sons back to uh, Jethro. And so they actually don't come with Moses into Egypt and sees the splitting of the Red Sea and the ten plagues. Um, this is in 18 chapter of Exodus. Uh, Moses and the Israelites are all out of Egypt now. And they are once again in the wilderness, in the desert. And the scene here in 18 is that Jethro and his daughter Zipporah and the two sons are coming back to see Moses. See, at, by this point, Jethro, being a priest of Midianites, but also, this is a big story, Moses and the Israelites all been rescued out of Egypt uh, from the Pharaoh. So Jethro probably would have heard by now what happened. And he probably heard where Moses was located in the wilderness. So he probably sent the messenger, found out exactly where he is. And Jethro brings his daughter and the two grandsons to Moses. And we see here in chapter 18 in the beginning, it says, verse 9, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the land of Egyptians. Now I wonder... Why did Jethro travel more than 250 miles to go see his son-in-law? Perhaps you can argue it's to mend the relationship between his daughter and uh, her husband. But I bet Jethro was really, really excited to hear firsthand what happened with the Israelites and God in Egypt. How they got out, all the mysterious stories that he heard and overheard, he probably wanted to confirm, after all, this is his son-in-law who did all this through God. So, being a religious man, he's going with this excitement to see his son-in-law, and we see Moses running after, it says he ran towards his father-in-law, gave him a hug, and welcomed him. And so, the second encounter between Jethro and Moses happens right here, in Exodus 18 and the first theme that we want to look at here is a conversion story of Jethro witnessing in the wilderness because God welcomes anyone who comes to him and God will use him or her sometimes we live this life we think oh you know what he's a great man of God he has so many gifts and talents. He has so much financial security. He is uh, physically just so gifted. 
verbally gifted, emotionally gifted, and we have this biased opinion that God will only use those who are amazingly gifted. Or we have a bias that because you're such a faithful man of God or a woman of God, that because you went to church for X amount of years, because you have these kind of Christian parents that God will use you, sure, God can and will use those people, but God can bring somebody from outside like Jethro and use him. So the first theme we look at through the conversion story of Jethro is that God welcomes anyone who comes to him and uses him. After this reunion happens between Jephorah and the two sons and Moses and uh, Jethro, Moses uh, is probably just so excited to see his father-in-law and he tells him what happened. And in response, Jethro says what? He says, that is amazing. And in verse 10, Jethro says, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the land of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hands of the Egyptians. He says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. Do you see that? In verse 11, Jethro finally confirms and is convicted that there is one true God. God of Israel. And he accept, accepts that God for himself and he admits that this Lord is greater than all other gods. For, it says, he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. And verse 12, it continues, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. See what's going on? Jethro is not just saying with his own words, I and convicted that God is the true God, he acts upon it and gives a burnt offering. You can argue that this is Jethro's way of being uh, saved or becoming uh, a Christian, coming before the Lord and accepting God as his creator and savior. And so we see in this story the witnessing that goes on in the wilderness. And um, it's this family reunion as Moses meets his father-in-law. We see that even after 40 years, um, as they regather, Moses is excited to tell God's story to Jethro, and Jethro receives the gospel into his heart, and it changes his life forever. Moses witnesses to his father-in-law, and it works. And what do we learn from that? That God welcomes anyone who comes to him and God will use him or her. Jethro was amazed as Moses told him about how God had delivered the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. And upon hearing the story, Jethro rejoiced greatly and declared that these miracles prove that the Lord is above and beyond all other gods. Here is a polytheistic people, a priest who lives among and, and leads polytheistic people. And yet we see the conversion story of Jethro and it's a powerful one. Secondly, this story then moves on to the next day, right? In verse 13, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people 
and they stood around him from morning till evening. This is kind of my image of what's going on. Moses comes and tells his story. Oh, father-in-law Jethro, you don't even know what happened. This is what happened all day, all night. He tells Jethro what happened back in Egypt. Because he wants to show him how he's being used by God and how important of a person he has become. He sleeps, wakes up, and now is his turn to show that Moses, once who was lost, right? Who was under the care of Jethro, who had nothing. Now the son-in-law has everything. All these people following him. And God has chosen them. So imagine Moses wakes up and he sits in his seat and he's going through his daily routine. And this is where we see the worry in the wilderness. As Moses is trying to show what he does every day to his father-in-law. What the father-in-law sees is a man who is just full of worry full of problems <laughs> because this is what's going on um moses is basically burning out because morning till evening he's seeing everybody who has disputes any small or big disputes any big decisions to small decisions that people of israel have to make they were coming before him because that's kind of the system that he has created and one author puts it best it says quote Moses was dangerously close to burning himself out when his father-in-law came to his rescue. What appears on the surface to be the insignificant visit of a relative is really a divine provision to deliver Moses not from the wrath of Pharaoh nor from the attack of the Egyptian army but from himself. How poignantly said, right? He's destroying himself and the people of Israel because the structure in which he has created to care for them is not good and it's not wise. And as Jethro puts it himself, um, he says Moses was wearing himself out. Right? Verse 14, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said to Moses, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit at judge as judge while all these people stand around you morning till evening? And whenever they have a dispute, Moses says, It is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. If you carry all the responsibilities, if you carry all that weight for yourself, even though that your intention may be good, your actions will most likely burn yourself out and won't be that helpful for others. If you truly believe you're called by God, then we need to think outside of ourselves. Not just thinking about what can I do? How am I called? What is my conviction? What is my gifting? But rather, we also need to add on to that. What is that person like? What's that person's gifting? How can we work together? How can we mobilize together? So, in this worry in the wilderness, Moses' worry, what we learn is that God wants us to acknowledge our worries, the very things that give us anxiety and very stressed. God wants to know. 
and He wants us to come before Him with such anxieties and stress. Perhaps not be like Moses and try to do everything ourselves running around. And maybe that's you in this quarantine life because we feel trapped, we feel so anxious, we're having all kinds of emotional breakdowns or mental breakdowns or we're all worried about how this school year is going to begin and uh, how we're going to get back to work or maybe you're very concerned about your health or health of a loved one. All makes sense. But God wants us to bring those anxieties and worries to Him and not carry the burden all by Himself. And so what Jethro... Uh, does for Moses is helps him to see what worries he actually lives with. I bet Moses would have been surprised when Jethro reacted that way. Kind of like, what are you doing right now? Right? Moses is probably defending himself saying, this is what I do every day. I take care of people. Isn't this what a leader does? And Jethro says, no, that's, that's going to kill you. You need to bring this before the Lord and need to come up with a new structure or system of caring for people. And this is where we run into the third theme of wisdom in the wilderness. When Moses is going through this hours after hours and Jethro sees what's going on, that this is not sustainable. This is what Moses' father-in-law said, verse 17. What? you are doing is not good. I, I mean, there's no other clear way to say that. Right? I mean, Jethro just gets to the point. He's like, Moses, listen, that is not good. Nuh-uh. He continues in verse 18. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out and the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Truth. Sometimes we need truth-tellers in our lives. And guess what? They might be ready in your life. Jethro was perhaps a significant part of Moses' life when he was lost. But by now, in chapter 18 of Exodus, Moses has almost everything. He's the chosen one by God. He has the staff. He has people around him and behind him. Everyone's coming before him for wisdom and decision. And yet, this father-in-law comes in Moses' highlighted space and time, says, hey, this is wrong, Moses, right? And he teaches him what true wisdom looks like. God speaks to us through others in order to build up what he's already doing in us. God will speak to us through others Many times others who are already in our lives to build up what God's already been doing in our lives. And yet, I believe many of us are perhaps so broken hearted or blind or lazy or so prideful to deny what God is trying to show us through others. The other Jethro's in our lives. I mean, imagine these friends or family members who are close to you, or brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, 
who comes to you and says, hey, you know what? I know you've been struggling with this, but this one aspect of your life, that is wrong and you really need to uh, change what's going on in that uh, part of your life. How many of us would receive that? Well, how many of us can say we even want that kind of advice? Our pride kicks in. Our selfishness kicks in, right? This desire, kind of like Moses, of like, I, I can do it. I can carry this weight. And yet the Jethro's of our lives are teaching us, no, you can't. You need to lay that down before the Lord and have others that God's sending to you to help you. So God is speaking to us through others in order to build up what He's already been doing in us. And this is where we see the wisdom in wilderness. Right? Wisdom in the wilderness. What you are doing is not good. The work is too heavy for you. I believe that good advice is shared here. Right? Be wise. Don't try to do it all by yourself. You'll die having accomplished little and we will never learn how to delegate and truly understand uh, and taste and experience the bigger, greater things that God has in store for us. Jethro was bold in providing Moses with his advice and warning. And God cares for his people enough to send them the resources that they need at the right time. Are you blinded? Are you blinding yourself from the Jethro's of your lives? Are you able to put down your pride and shame and guilt to ask for help, to listen to others? There is this wisdom in the wilderness. And perhaps we need to search for and look for the Jethro's in our lives. And um, to them, we need to ask and acknowledge our faults or or our um, you know our issues and ask for help. It says in verse twenty three, if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So Jethro is not saying, look, I'm such a wise man and I, I'm older, so I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to listen to me, my son-in-law. No. He says, if you do this, after he gives very detailed direction of how to divvy up the work, he says, if you do this and God so commands. He's saying, we need to be wise and restructure things, but God has to ultimately be behind it. You're talking about this father-in-law who just received God into his life. Speaking into Moses who rescued the entire nation of Israel. Who's the significant character here and insignificant? God can use anybody to speak into our lives. So practically, what does his wisdom in the wilderness look like? One, look for a Jethro in your life. Have conversation, ask, and learn from their wisdom. Pray together. Share your life together with them. And two, be a Jethro in others' lives. You know, um, not because you're like, I'm so smart, I'm so wise, I have everything in my life. 
I'm gonna go rescue people and help people but we need to learn how to care and love for others and we need to learn what it means to become a Jethro in our lives in others lives and build that trust in the relationship with whoever you have around you and when it is necessary speak boldly into their lives especially when they are in need I hope that you are building relationship during this time so that when your friends in Christ family members in Christ are having a difficult time or you see something that needs to be corrected that we can become a Jethro in their lives as well so let's end with how the story ends how does Moses respond it says Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said verse 24 it's a very simple story right Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said he chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people officials over thousands hundreds fifties and tens they served as judges for the people at all times and the difficult cases they brought to Moses but the simple ones they decided themselves then Moses sent his father-in-law uh, on his way and Jethro returned to his own country beautiful ending Moses had everything he was arguably the most gifted man there by God and yet he humbles himself and listens to his father-in-law not because he just loves his father-in-law because he was humble enough to see that God was actually using Jethro to speak into his life Moses here exhibits humility to be receptive to Jethro's advice so I want to ask you what factors make it difficult for you to receive others instructions and advice and perhaps constructive criticism when have you been defensive or arrogant with someone who was trying to help you or perhaps looking back in your personal history what could you have gained from humbling yourself and listening to them we all need help we all need advice and we all need more of God's wisdom which often comes through other people in our lives and I believe that Moses was completely caught off guard by Jethro's disapproval and yet at the end Moses humbly accepts the solution that his father-in-law gives so the response of Moses reveals his distorted perception and the problems that he has before him and he is able to fix it though this trip was short by Jethro um, Jethro's visit was critical to the survival of Moses and the people of Israel can you imagine imagine that Jethro didn't show up and he didn't give this advice to Moses I'm sure God would have worked in other ways but but God used Jethro the father-in-law to speak into Moses life and what seemed to be an insignificant uh, event turns into something that really rescues Moses life and transforms it and also the people of Israel because their entire system of care 
and how they love each other and uh, um, just gives and receives to one another changes here. So I hope that we learn to witness in the wilderness and understands and accepts that God welcomes anybody and can use anyone. And as we see the worry in the wilderness in Moses' life, that you can see your worries. And um, we have a God that wants us to acknowledge that, but also come before Him so that He can take care of us. But also that there is wisdom in the wilderness around us through the very people that we already know. God can speak to us. So may we be humble to receive such wisdom. Let us at this time uh, respond with the prayer and as Pastor uh, David leads us into a response song. Will you join us as we pray?